Greg Bishop and the Council Roundup. Well, there's a council meeting on a Tuesday. We bring you the Council Roundup on Wednesday. Council Roundup on the WMAY Morning News Feed brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to Head West. Thank you so much to Head West for sponsoring this important presentation of what's happening in Springfield. Even if you don't live in Springfield, it's important that you know what's happening because I would imagine a lot of your tax dollars are um, spent in Springfield. I know a lot of mine are. Gas, uh, food, entertainment, clothes, so on. Uh, but last night was a nice and concise meeting. Uh, the Alderwoman, Erin Conley, was the chairperson of the Committee of the Whole. Um, we start last night's meeting with a report from Treasurer Busher. The corporate fund in the month of December had a beginning balance of $19,055,200. We took in total receipts of $8,464,919. We had total disbursements in the month of December of $8,434,059, which left the corporate fund with an ending balance in the month of December of $19,086,060. This concludes my report, Chair Conley. $19 million in the bank. Whoa. Um, so, yeah, even with COVID-19 and the reductions of uh, revenues and economic activity, still a lot of money in the bank. Let's see how that money gets spent. The reserves are being dipped into because of the upcoming budget. Uh, we shall see, uh, especially as the budget books continue to be formulated on how your tax dollars are going to be spent. Uh, but last night, there was also an update from CWLP, Alderman Chuck Redpath, asking uh, an official to come forward and address the the uh, closure of one of the uh, electric generating units out there. Final process of uh, decommissioning units 31 and 32 at the plant. And there's a lot of questions that are coming out about how that process is going. So, so some of those questions being answered by Scott Rogers. Yeah, 3132, uh, it was last offered for uh, operation December 31st. So we have begun the decommissioning process. Uh, we'll be washing bunkers out, emptying uh, all the oil out of the equipment, taking uh, hydrogen out of the generator, just getting rid of all the hazardous material that could cause fire or, or be a uh, detriment to the environment. So that's, uh, of course, uh, a CWLP of official talking about the status. But Alderman Redpath had a bunch of other questions as well, not just about you know the, the decommissioning of these uh, power generation facilities, but also just the overall costs. What are the employees doing? Have you been laying off employees? Are you are they relocating those people? Uh, do you have a plan on where we go for, for uh, next? Um, uh, it, what, what process do we completely shut the doors or start taking them down or however we're going to do that? Well, as far as employees go, so far, um, we have not, the layoff notices were going to effect February 28th. Currently, with the staff that we've had, that we have, there is no layoffs planned. We have moved 24 individuals, either through retirement, um, have left the city, or moved to other departments. And we have 11 pending retirements this coming year. So with all that going on at the plant, right now we have no plans on layoffs there are only four operators left on 3132 that are assigned there every day so they're really focusing on um reduction of headcount by attrition 
So how those costs ultimately play out into future years' budgets, we shall see. But there are other costs that Alderman Redpath was trying to get to the bottom of. What's the obligation for our coal contract? Do we have, have we reduced our coal purchases at this point? Are we starting to do that? Where are we going with that? So the budget that you'll see in the next couple of weeks, you'll start seeing some of those savings from uh, primarily from labor right now. Um, and on, also on uh, maintenance work and commodities, you'll start seeing those savings there. And another question about rates. If we're going to see a reduction of capacity output, a reduction of the uh, headcount and the cost associated with that, but also if you're going to see increased costs for cleanup of the coal ash ponds, for instance, How's all this going to balance out with the rates that ratepayers pay for CWLP services? We're going to do a cost of service study to actually try to determine what our exact costs are and then be able to, to adjust rates according to that. And even more questions about costs from Alderman Redpath. One of the big problems with the decommissioning of all three of the units that are eventually going to go offline is, is our ad-pond clap. That's anywhere from 30 to $50 million in cleanup. Where do you expect that we're going to get that money? The ash pond cleanup, primarily um, ERIRF fund is what the primary use of that fund was earmarked for. So that money recently was uh, dipped into for uh, rebates to go out to business owners impacted by the pandemic and also to residents impacted uh, by the pandemic to help alleviate some of their utility costs. Uh, and that fund has, I believe, millions of dollars in it. And we'll see uh, just how far those funds can go to help clean things up, uh, aside from just giving rebates. Uh, it's the Council Roundup brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. We'll hear a proposal from Alderman McMiniman about police reporting where did that sports complex proposal end up after last night's committee of the whole we'll get to that as well uh, plus some conversation about communications over covid19 regulations and the impact on businesses and the budget books those elusive budget books where are those at we'll get to it all here with the council roundup brought to you by head west subs when you want a great sub you've got to head west it's the Council Roundup. Right here on the WMAY Morning News Feed, brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. All right, last night, nice, uh, concise meeting. Chairperson uh, Conley. She did a uh, great job keeping the trains on time. Uh, and after hearing about the treasurer's report and after getting an update on CWLP commission, uh, well, decommissioning, uh, we had Alderman Joe McMiniman uh, with a proposal that he wanted to advance at the Committee of the Whole dealing with police reporting. One of the big problems with... That's not, uh, that's Red Path. Here is Alderman McMiniman. This is a co-sponsored ordinance by myself, Alderman DeCenso and Mayor Langfelder. We tried to come up with language that would be acceptable to everyone. We were, I think, generally speaking, very pleased with the report that uh, Chief Winslow put together recently that provided information regarding uh, various uh, issues within the department and uh, generally speaking within our community regarding crime. And if you recall, uh, we did have a report from Police Chief Winslow several months ago and it reviewed the uh, shot spotter data. Because we have ShotSpotter now in some parts of the of the city, and that's that 
device that picks up, you know, gunshots, and it can distinguish between a gunshot and fireworks, and actually can pretty much pinpoint uh, the general vicinity of where a gunshot's coming from. But the data that was generated from that, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it was pretty interesting because there were like 600 and something instances of ShotSpotter picking up shots fired, but there were only like 40 calls for service during that same time period. Uh, so it's it's interesting reporting now how you. Uh, act on those numbers that's another question entirely right how do you act on this data uh that's something that policymakers of course within the city have to deal with but in order to make those informed decisions they want more reporting and that's something that alderman uh, mcminniman's looking for potential benefits from a quarterly report from our chief uh, nationally and here in illinois we are seeing an uptick an uptick in various crime categories and so we want to get um reliable objective information out there but so uh that's uh, could advance next week final passage on these measures uh, all coming up of course uh, after the committee of the whole deals with them and that's what was last night here on the council roundup brought to you by head west subs when you want a great sub you gotta head west all right uh we talked with scott Dahl, the convention visitors bureau director for the city of springfield and he has been just full bore ahead on getting this sports complex agreement together and this would be for legacy point uh there would be some incentives there would be uh i think tax increases or something to that effect for hotel motel uh so a variety of different elements to get this this deal in place uh and uh, a lot of players involved uh, you've got uh, a variety of different groups that are uh showing their support uh how it's going to be dealt with with the labor um situation not yet clear, but that sports complex idea, that proposal, that developer's agreement was brought up last night, and this is how it went. And Legacy Park Sports, LLC, for a sports complex for the Office of Planning and Economic Development. Um, I'd like to hold this in committee. There's still some work to be done on the developer's agreement, so until we have that um, nailed down and circulated to the older people, I would like to hold this in committee. Thank you. Held in committee until we get more details on the developer's agreement. You know, previous attempts at a similar uh, facility that would have had like multiple ball diamonds and some other sporting uh, facilities for people to take part in. Uh, always told to be that it's going to be an economic driver for the city and that people are going to travel with their families and it's going to bring all kinds of economic input uh, and revenue for city coffers. But there's always been a hang-up as to labor and who's going to be involved in building this. And uh, I think previous attempts, there were some concessions made to have like 95% local labor and they were going to bring in some outside managers, but I don't think that that was palatable for local labor. They wanted even more than 95%, from what I understand historically, and that was years ago, so I might be wrong on some of those percentages. Uh, don't hold me to that. But uh, the issue of the percentage of local labor could be one of the sticking points. I'm not 100% on that. I don't know if that's the case here, but that could be one of the sticking points. Uh, and uh, I think uh, one of the questions that people are going to have to ask is when this comes up time and again, is something better than nothing or should we take nothing if we don't get it all? Uh, so an important conversation for local labor uh, and policymakers to have uh, because uh, we do want that economic activity, uh, but how it's uh, distributed throughout the community uh, initially with construction of such economic uh, drivers, uh, that's a question that uh, seems to be um, a sticking point.
Coming back, we will talk about COVID-19 regulations on businesses and uh, also a variety of other things to finish up last night's Committee of the Whole meeting with the Council Roundup here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. Back with the Council Roundup. Brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. It's the WMAY Morning News Feed, 737. In the capital city, warming up to a high of 50 today. Sun skies. It's going to be beautiful. Um, being told that the uh, Legacy Point Sports Complex not tied up because of a labor issue. Uh, the developer uh, looking to ensure that older persons get the uh, developer's agreement in hand uh, and plenty of time to review it before advancing it. Uh, so we will see exactly where that ends up. Uh, maybe we'll uh, bring on some uh, of, of those involved uh, in the discussions uh, sometime later this week or early next week um, to see where that all stands right now. Because they could bring it up next week and pass it next week as well. Uh, it just remains in committee. But continuing on with last night's Springfield City Council meeting, uh, a lot of discussion also on the issue of uh, COVID-19 regulations on businesses. Now, the current lay of the land is the governor across the state, and he's ordered businesses not to allow for indoor dining or bar service. That could be lifted on the 15th if a region the governor's carved out uh, actually meets certain metrics that the governor has put onto the big board. Uh, so as of right now, the state policy is no indoor dining or, or restaurants. We know that's obviously not being enforced in areas of the state. Uh, the, there's very few places actually uh, that are enforcing it. Places with higher populations, granted, but still, uh, there's uh, geographically fewer places that are enforcing it, from what I understand, than are, are, are not enforcing it. Uh, so, in Springfield, though, we do have Sangamon County that's allowing for Sangamon County businesses to have 25% capacity. Uh, there's different regulations for Springfield businesses, and there's been a lot of conversation about uh, what exactly is going to happen moving forward here. Uh, and some of those conversations have been happening uh, with some aldermen and not others. Alderwoman Turner wanting to get to the bottom of the communication line. It seems like every week we are talking about Zoom calls or meetings that the mayor and Alderman Redpath and Alderman Hanauer are having with the uh, with public, the Board of Health or Public Health. So is is have you guys formed an ad hoc subcommittee of the council where you guys are taking the lead on these issues and then you're coming back, uh, uh, you know, uh, informing us of what's going on or, or what, what what's going on. So Alderwoman DeCenso also worried about uh, some of these meetings that uh, other aldermen are taking part in. Um, yes, I am going to second Alderwoman Turner's concerns because she is actually on the Board of Health. I'm supposed to be on the Board of Health because as, as we know, I'm not allowed to be on the Board of Health even during a global pandemic. So, um, you know, Mayor, I would ask that you appoint someone that the county sees fit to be on the Board of Health, since I'm not allowed to serve, whether that's Alderman Redpath or Alderman Han Hanauer, because they're obviously more comfortable with both of them um, than they are with me. So uh, go right ahead and appoint one of them, and uh, let's move this along, because this whole process is ridiculous. Alderman Hanauer said, listen, uh, Redpath and Hanauer have been very vocal about their concerns, the impact on businesses, and uh, they have a lot of businesses reaching out to them as well. Uh, so they said, hey, they've been asked to be involved. We've got to keep in mind that the, that the county, our bars are at a, at a huge disadvantage right now um, because the county bars are open and 
Um, I know it affects 40, I've heard 40 or 42. We lost five today, five it looks like, or five uh, establishments that served alcohol. Yeah, and that's something else that happened uh, when they were dealing with liquor ordinances. Several businesses uh, announced closures, and they no longer need liquor ordinances. That also happened last night. Um, but uh, you have uh, Hanauer continuing with some of the concerns that are there. I hope someone is keeping track of how much, how many, how many of these businesses were losing um, because of all this, but. Um, you know, uh, I can I can tell you, uh, Alderwoman Turner, that that the last thing I want to do is get on another Zoom call. So it's <laughs> it's not, you know, uh, <laughs> it's not to try to take your position on the board or anything like that. <laughs> I think everybody's pretty much done with the Zoom calls. Oh boy. I, uh, obviously, we're not going to be done with Zoom calls for quite some time, but it's nothing like being face-to-face, though. Um, Alderman Hanauer continues that uh, there's a trend that, if not addressed, could be detrimental. You know, customers are going to go to county bars, and they may not come back to the to the, the bars that they, they used to frequent. And I think that is a, uh, a real concern, um, something that, you know, we've seen kind of uneven across the state. Some jurisdictions not enforcing COVID-19 mitigation, others are, uh, and the impacts are, and people are going to look to open their business elsewhere. Uh, maybe they'll look to another state entirely uh, to open their business, and that's lost economic activity for us. That's lost revenue for the city, for the state, and so on. Uh, so we've got to get a handle on, on on these mitigations and exactly who's going to be held accountable for all of that, right? I think that's a, a, a big question that uh, is going to come up for elections is who's to be held accountable for these decisions. Um, something else that's been just on the back burner for almost a year now, a contract that expires in a month. <laughs> with Sangamon County that the city still is not paid for, and that is the animal control contract. That's right. The contract expires at the end of February, and we haven't even paid for it in the city of Springfield yet. On this year's con- – basically, we're we, on last year's contract, and we haven't paid them. And um, moving forward, I think we need to look at, at going either a multi-year contract or something so that we can pay them for this year go for, go next year or even to 23. So that conversation obviously still ongoing. Uh, but Alderman Hanauer uh, taking a lot of time last night and on the order of Hanauer, uh, he wants to bring up a very special individual in our community that needs to be recognized. And I think we've got ourselves an early hero votes. Um, Jasper Madonia, one of our citizens, um, he's, a, um, um, he's a World War II vet. Uh, he turned 100 years old, and I, I think uh, anytime we can get a, a citizen that's that's able to to turn 100 years old, it, it's worth congratulations. So congratulations, that is very cool. 100 years old, and he's got a history. He was on, I believe, Omaha Beach in Normandy, and I mean he. He was, uh, he's a real hero, so. Very cool. Uh, glad that they were able to uh, inject some of that into last night's meeting. Um, continuing on, there was uh, some developments, or not developments, about tax increment finance districts. Alderman Gregory uh, wanted some more involvement in some of those discussions uh, from the local officials to the state officials who ultimately give the green light for uh, tax increment finance districts and the extension of those districts. 
um, we're, we're not only trying to extend the or get the Enos Park uh, TIF renewed, but we're trying to um, as well. I believe your, your intentions is to um, extend the Madison Park like TIF as well. Um, along with that, it, it seems to be some projects in there that. Um, you know, drew, drew some questions such as the Pillsbury, Robert Roberts Stadium, Lanford High School. Um, you know, so we're getting some calls on, on you know, is there any projects attached to these things or, or, or is this just some general thinking of areas that, that could um, be improvement? So uh, there's always going to be ongoing conversations about TIFs. TIFs are uh, a way to divert property tax dollars to a special fund to then help uh, generate revitalization of certain areas uh, but sometimes when those tiffs need to be extended you have to go to the state legislature for that but there was a press conference locally about that yesterday i did not attend i've yet to really delve into what they were addressing but maybe we'll hear more about that with the uh, springfield business journal coming up just after eight o'clock this morning so stay tuned for that uh but uh, alderman redpath uh, talking about that press conference about the tiffs and how they weren't invited yes I'll, i just want to make note that alderman hanauer and i was not invited to the press conference today so <laughs> Just get that across. Uh, but Alderwoman Turner corrected him. I hate to you bust guys, your I hate to bust your bubble, Alderman Redpath, but we were all invited. And I would have would have I would have swung by and picked you up, picked you up. Well, I was down here on a Zoom conference. Yeah, you guys were on that board of health call, so you could have oh! made it. <laughs> All right, don't make me find a gavel, everyone. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, considering you know some of the uh, turmoil we've seen elsewhere in our uh, national political conversation, I like seeing that uh, uh, our aldermen here in the city of Springfield from across the political spectrum can joke with each other and have fun uh, while raising their, their legitimate concerns. Uh, so it's always good to hear that. Uh, moving on, let's talk about the budget. Where is it? Are we going to see budget books soon? Here's Budget Director Bill McCarty. One of the things that you could look at, if everybody is talking about dates, you could look at, I, I wouldn't want to do anything next week because I think you all will want some time to go through your binders. And, and it is likely going to be next week when you get them. I think you'll want that. And then that following weekend to go through your binders, to ask questions, that type of a thing. So uh, still coming together. We'll see those budget books out at some point, and uh, it's important to get enough time to review all of that information. The main thing is making sure that there's plenty of time to have ample discussion, and I really want you all to have plenty of time to kind of go through the books and ask your questions because, uh, you know, as of right now, we're still in a, in a bit of a pickle, and we're still working through it, and that's why the, the books are taking so long because we're actually going through another set of meetings this week with all the departments. So, Alderwoman DeCenso's got an idea. Instead of having it during a weekday, late at night, that could last hours and hours and hours and hours. I am once again this year going to propose the always unpopular, let's do this on a Saturday. <laughs> well, there's always that option, I guess. We could knock out a lot on a Saturday, people, instead of doing this, you know, some some of us work full time. Not, not all of us are retired. So <laughs> oh, just <really>? saying. <laughs> Alderwoman Conley uh, seems to agree with the idea of a weekend budget hearing. As much as I do enjoy a relaxing Saturday, I, I think that... Um, it's not a bad idea to use part of a Saturday to, it also ensures, you know, we have a lot of employees who would like to watch city employees, city residents who'd like to be able to, you know, watch this and, and participate. So um, I would just ask that people 
keep an open mind on that suggestion. It's it's not a bad one. Meanwhile, Alderman McMiniman, uh, he has a different type of proposal uh, to expedite the budgets for a few of the city's uh, various agencies. Just give us what they have available. If they have clerk, treasury, city council, and mayor available by then, we could move in that direction. Just a recommendation. And that would allow them to digest those budget proposals while the police proposal while the fire department proposal while the uh, CWLP proposal gets put together and finalized uh, so a, a variety of different ideas here on uh, how exactly the the budget books are going to be coming out uh, Alderman McMiniman though saying that uh, there could be a silver lining with uh, Democrats taking uh, the Senate and also Biden taking the White House I think we're going to see some additional attention to the uh, municipal sector um, and the and the state level governments so uh, that's good news for our budget director i hope uh, the congress hasn't acted yet but it's, it's worth thinking about meanwhile you've got a question about cannabis revenue for the city not the revenue coming from the state if you recall the state taxes cannabis up to like 40 plus percent depending on the potency some of that money trickles down to, to local governments but local governments were also given the ability to tax cannabis an additional three percent and Springfield's been doing that, I believe, since uh, June of last year, or was it July? Either way, they've been able to tax an additional 3% on top of cannabis sales. But the dollars and how those are being reported and allocated, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, I think that there, one aspect is the idea of you don't want to reveal business tax information because it could reveal things to competitors. There's always that concern. Uh, so how those dollars, those public dollars, those tax dollars, are reported to the city, it could show what the limited number of cannabis stores are doing in revenue, uh, which could be you know, uh, a trade secret, so to speak. Uh, at least I think that's one, one uh, reason for a hesitancy to reveal some of that information. But some of it also deals with state tax code uh, and, and the provisions in the cannabis law. Here's Budget Director McCarty. But certainly we can insert anything to the budget with an amendment at the, up until we pass it. And even then, even if we have to pass it because we don't know yet and we don't include it, we, as soon as we do have it, we can come back with a supplemental very, very easily and update the budget with that. And finally, from Budget Director McCarty. Because we have a budget for that specific purpose, we would have to, of course, disclose the revenues. So that, that's why it's a little more of an issue for us. But there are other cities who just simply their councils want to know what the revenues are. So that's your council roundup from last night, brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west.